What is up everybody? I am your host Dahi and you're listening to the Ravens Grove. Today we're going to be continuing our long range fact dump series once again. So to, to kick things off, did you know that the osprey has a unique claw pattern compared to most other birds of prey? You see, most diurnal birds of prey, which means that they hunt during daytime, such as falcons, eagles, hawks, and vultures, they've got a standard claw pattern of three talons at the front and one at the back. Owls, on the other hand, have a different pattern with two at the front and two at the back. Ospreys are unique in that they can do both. An osprey's default saying is that when they used to have three at the front and one at the back, but when they are going into a dive to grab a fish when hunting, the third digit pivots around and changes the pattern to two at the front and two at the back so that they can hold on to their fish more effectively. I mean, I recently actually got to see an osprey down at Devil's Bend Reservoir, and it was it was just incredible. It really was. They are a beautiful bird of prey. If you don't know what they look like, do yourself a favor and look them up on you know, Google Images because they are absolutely stunning. Now for fact number two. I'm sure many of you listeners would have seen a tobacco pipe at some time in your life, even if it's just in a storybook or in a picture of a piece of artwork depicting Sherlock Holmes or Santa Claus. But what many of you may not be aware of is that you can actually plot the evolution of tobacco influence in the UK through history using tobacco pipes. You see, archaeologists have excavated the Globe Theatre, the famous theatre where Shakespeare's plays were first performed in the late 1500s and early 1600s, and they have unearthed a huge amount of clay tobacco pipes, both in, arche- in fragments and relatively intact. You see, when Shakespeare's plays first debuted in the 1580s, their tobacco was a very new and very expensive luxury in Tudor England, having only just recently arrived from the Americas. As such, the bowls of the clay pipes in the 1580s were very small because of the owners only putting in very small amounts of tobacco into the bowls due to the, quite frankly, exorbitant prices on tobacco charged by the merchants. As tobacco became more widespread in England during the mid to early to mid-1600s, the prices became cheaper and the bowls became, on the pipes became bigger. In Australian archaeology, you can, you know, on historical sites, especially in whaling sites in Victoria, you can actually plot the evolution of tobacco pipes given the design of them and how often they were used. It's a fascinating subject. Now for fact number three. Now, as many of you listening to this podcast may aware, I'm a fairly major geek, and this fact is about one of my favorite authors, the late, great, quite frankly, incomparable Sir Terry Pratchett. Terry wrote the acclaimed Discworld series as well as co-writing the book Good Omens with Neil Gaiman. Now, if that one sounds familiar, it's because it was made into a, quite frankly, brilliant TV show on Amazon Prime starring David Tennant and Michael Sheen. But what most people don't know about Sir Terry Pratchett is how he celebrated getting his OBE, which is the Order of the British Empire. He forged his own sword. Now, this wasn't just a simple bare metal either. First, he found a field with deposits of iron ore near his home in Wiltshire, west of London. He then proceeded to dig up 81 kilos, roughly 178.5 pounds for our American listeners, of the ore and smelted it himself on the grounds of his house in a makeshift kiln made from clay and hay and filled with sheep manure. Not only that, Sir Terry later said that he had added several pieces of meteorite iron, sometimes called sky iron or thunderbolt iron. He then put the sword away in a safe place so it wouldn't violate the knife and weapon laws in the UK. Talk about a badass way to celebrate being knighted. Seriously, though, if you like fancy stories, a good bit of comedy, and some very memorable characters, I can't recommend the Discworld books highly enough. Give them a try. You won't be disappointed. So now on to fact number four. 
Now, if you're a long-time listener to, listen to this podcast, you are probably aware that I have a very deep passion for the Celts and the Vikings. But a fun fact about the Vikings that not many people know is that compared to the rest of Europe in the Dark Ages, the Vikings were incredibly fastidious, borderline OCD, about cleanliness and bathing. You see, your average Saxon farmer would be very lucky if they bathed once every six months. And while Saxon nobility did bathe far more regularly, this was quite restricted to the upper uh, nobility or outright royalty. Vikings, on the other hand, bathed as often as they could, with at least one full-on hair and beard wash a week, usually on Saturdays. This practice wasn't restricted to the upper classes either. Nearly every member of Norse society, apart from thralls, which translates as slaves, bathed on an extremely regular and often basis. This wasn't just in personal hygiene either. Every Saturday, the Vikings would do a full clean of their clothes, their houses, and their animals' enclosures in addition to the hair and beard wash. This obsession with cleanliness and personal hygiene actually led to an official church decree in Saxon England, which basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, don't let your wives, daughters, or sisters near the Vikings as they will seduce them with their shiny swords, their clean clothes, their nice smells, their flashy jewelry, and their beautiful well-groomed hair. That was actually an official church memo that went out in Saxon England. I am not making that up. In fact, the Old Norse term for Saturday literally translates as wash day, and this naming convention is still in effect in Scandinavian languages to this day. For example, the Swedish name for Saturday is Lördag, which literally translates to bath day. And yes, I can actually speak a little Swedish, so that is actually what it means. Now, time for facts five and six, and yes, they are both connected. Most people who enjoy rock music would have heard the band The Foo Fighters and their legendary frontman and lead guitarist Dave Grohl, who, incidentally, was also once the drummer for the iconic grunge band Nirvana. But two things that most people don't know about Dave Grohl are, number one, he was once admitted to hospital with symptoms that led the doctors to believe he was having a drug overdose. And so they ordered a full toxicology screen. Now, you might be thinking, so what? He's a rock star. Rock stars do drugs. I'm not going to argue that point here. But one of the funny things about this is, when the toxicology screen came back, it was revealed that the chemical culprit was actually caffeine. Turns out that Dave Grohl had been recording his new album at his house and drank so much coffee he'd gotten caffeine poisoning. And number two Dave Grohl fact, he's regularly performed with the band Tenacious D and has even played a major character in their music videos and movie. For the listeners who don't know Tenacious D, they are a comedy rock duo set up by the actor Jack Black and his good friend Carl Gass, and has produced such hits as Tribute, Kickapoo, uh, Tr- Rise of the Phoenix, Master Exploder, The Metal, and Beelzebos. They are longtime friends of Dave Grohl, and Grohl has even performed with them on tour, playing the drums, and was even cast as the devil in the music video for Tribute and in the movie Tenacious Dana's Pick of Destiny. It took me ages to believe it, folks, but... There are videos on YouTube of behind-the-scenes footage of both the movie and the music video with Dave Grohl in the makeup chair getting into the extremely elaborate makeup and prosthetics made for his role. And finally, fact number seven. Radio waves are broadcast at the speed of light away from Earth. For example, a planet roughly five years away from light years away from Earth would be just learning the results of the 2016 presidential election, while a planet 15 years light years from Earth would only be just getting the news about D.B. Cooper's epic airplane heist. Now, don't worry, I will be doing an episode on D.B. Cooper in the near future, so stay tuned for that. This also shows one of the big possibilities about alien life contacting Earth, 
which is that if alien life does exist, and if they sent a message to Earth, there is a very real possibility that by the time we receive the message, that civilization that sent it could be long since for thousands of years. Anyway, that's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening to The Raven's Grove. As usual, I've been Dahim, you've been fantastic, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.